DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thanks so much, Chris. I keep saying it, but thank you. I'm so grateful, as well as so many of our listeners who appreciate so much having this examination, as it were, of the struggles in the spiritual life and their nature and their remedies. It, it just And to be guided by you. We just so appreciate your time. Well, it's a privilege to do it. And why don't we just move into the next of these experiences. And we return to Kathy. She had those six weeks of prayer that were initially so consoled and then became so desolate and difficult as a, a pain of 10 years standing is touched in her heart. And then with Father Reed's help, she's able to work through this and bring this to the Lord. And we meet her now three months after that meeting with Father Reed, and she's writing an email to Father Reed. I want to thank you again for meeting with me. It was a great help, and as I told you, I'm able to pray again. It has remained tumultuous, but gradually I find it easier to share with God the place of pain and anger. It's just staying in communication, um, ongoing prayer, and gradually things open up as we do this. And the really good thing is that when I do, I feel less hurt, less angry, and less alone. That isn't quite right. I don't feel alone anymore on that deep level. I'm able again to use the ways of praying that Father Bauer taught us in those six weeks, choosing the scripture the night before, seeing Jesus' look of love as I begin, and reflecting on the passage or imagining myself present in the scene. It is welcome to pray this way again. It saves me from wandering and not knowing how to proceed. I choose one of the readings from the day's Mass. And as you've been going through this, these are two ways in which people choose a scripture for daily prayer, and one is to choose one of the readings from the daily Mass. There's a lot to be said for that because the readings are there every day. Also, your prayer harmonizes with the liturgy. So if it's Lent or Advent or a particular feast day, there's a, a unity, which is always a good thing in the spiritual life. And then the other option that people like to use is to go through, an, in a systematic way, through one or another of the books of the gospel. So Kathy chooses one of the readings from the day's Mass. I pray first thing in the morning, sometimes for a half hour, so it's no longer the 20 minutes. Kathy's prayer is growing as she is persevering in this. On Saturdays, I spend an hour in the Adoration Chapel at the parish, and I find the setting helpful, so it's even becoming an hour of prayer. I want to thank you for helping me to pray again and let you know how things are progressing. Father Reed responds appropriately. And now, two months later, Kathy writes in her journal. So this is a Saturday morning. She's spending an hour of adoration. I spent the hour with today's first reading, which was Deuteronomy 6, 4 through the 13, especially the beginning. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole being, and with your whole strength. The hour felt blessed and passed almost before I knew it. So reverently, Kathy is experiencing warm spiritual consolation as she prays. God's unique place in my life, the Lord alone. And then a love for him that is total with all of me, my whole heart, being, and strength. Just these few words from the reading, but they said so much, everything. I thought about them with my heart and from my heart. I leave this hour feeling close to God. So this is a woman who is growing in a wonderful way in prayer. Three days later, today's gospel is John 12 for the memorial of St. Lawrence. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. I thought of planting seeds in our garden, watching them die in order to bring forth new life. And then a question surfaces in her prayer. Is that why the Lord permitted the cancer? Those years ago. I spoke with the Lord about this, which is beautiful. I don't have answers, but something in me grew more hopeful as I shared with the Lord. Does this mean that the Lord is bringing forth new life in me and through me for others? Is that what the Lord wants to tell me this morning? And each time we watch Kathy pray, we can just see her growth and how far she is now from where things were when she couldn't even open that place in her heart. As she prays, there are the first dawning questions that maybe this was a dying for the sake of new life in me and through me for others. The following Saturday in Adoration, I chose the Gospel Matthew 19, 13-15 about the mothers who bring their children to Jesus. Now, you can see that this gospel is going to speak to a deep place in Kathy's heart. I hesitated to choose this passage because it touches that place that still hurts, that longs for the children I can never have. But I think it was the right choice, that is, to not to shy away from this gospel, to actually pray with it. I was there in the scene, so that's the imaginative presence that Ignatius invites us to pray with. I was there in the scene, standing near Jesus, watching as each mother brought her child to him. I watched him speak with the children and their mothers and bless them. Something in me hurt. I was a bystander. I had no children to bring. But I was able to stay there. And all of these things indicate the growth and the strengthening that's going on. The fact that she is able to pray with this passage and doesn't flee from it, and now as she's actually praying with it, yes, she feels the absence of her own children, but she's able to stay there with Jesus. But I was able to stay there, and somehow I knew that Jesus wanted me there, that he knew my sorrow, that it mattered to him, and that he would not leave me alone. Somewhere in my heart I heard him say that he would bring life from my life, even from my pain. There were tears in this prayer, Tears from a deep place, but they were not bitter, and I was not alone. So if we can reverently just step back from what's happening as Kathy is praying, growth is happening in a very beautiful and deep way, and healing is also happening as Kathy prays. This way that she's learned through those six weeks of either reflecting on the meaning of the words, or if it's an event, imaginatively entering into it and being there, 
is proving very, very rich and very uh, fruitful for Kathy. These are just the classic meditation, which is reflective and imaginative contemplation, which is being there imaginatively in the scene. Now we skip ahead to two years later, and let's just imagine Kathy continuing to pray in this way faithfully through those two years. So on this day she writes, Today's Gospel was Luke 5:17 Jesus forgives the paralytic his sins and then heals his physical illness. That's the paralytic lowered through the roof. I looked forward to praying with this passage when I chose it last evening. I tried to be there in the scene, beside Jesus in the house. But as often happens now, so something new is happening in her prayer. This way of praying didn't seem to help the way it used to. I couldn't visualize the scene very well, even though I tried. There were many people there and many actions, the packed house, the opening of the roof, and the lowering of the paralytic, Jesus forgiving his sins, and then the physical healing. So Kathy continues to pray in the way that she's learned and has proven so fruitful for her, and in this case, imagining herself in the scene. But something doesn't seem to work as well now. Somehow it just seems there's so much movement and action and words in the crowd, and something in her finds it hard to be present to all of this activity and movement. We can easily say there's no sign of any negligence or any fault anywhere in Kathy. She's very faithful. She's preparing the night before. She's doing all of this with great fidelity. I found that I didn't want to imagine all that movement. So something's changing. Earlier, it, it was very fruitful for her to be engaged in these scenes where there are actions and words and people, but now something in her is less inclined to that kind of imaginative activity. The scene was busier than I wanted somehow. Something doesn't seem to be working when I pray the way I've prayed these past two years. I'm not sure why. I wonder, am I doing something wrong? We can say to Kathy, not at all. I don't think so. I'm just doing what I learned from Father Bauer and what has helped so much in these years. The next day in her prayer, since the imaginative approach, imaginative contemplation didn't really seem to resonate well, Kathy is now going to try the more meditative, reflective approach. I thought it might be easier if I didn't try to imagine a scene. So I took the first reading, Isaiah 40, 1 through 11, and especially the first words, Comfort, give comfort to my people. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. It is a beautiful text, and I hoped it would help me pray, just thinking about those words. But it didn't. It felt like work busier, within quotes, busier than I wanted to be in prayer. So I wandered and wound up distracted. And now she asks, what is wrong? This praying has been so fruitful. It's so solidly rooted in the church's tradition. Why doesn't it help me as it used to? So that's the real question here. These are ways of praying that have been very fruitful for Kathy for some years now. And she's finding that they seem less fruitful now. She's less inclined to be imaginatively active as she prays, and even to be reflectively active, thinking about the meaning of words. And she's unsure of what's going on here. Rightfully, she has the sense, I'm not aware that I'm doing anything wrong, but the experience is changing now. The next day. The gospel was the Annunciation in Luke 1. I tried the imaginative approach, being there with Mary, 
and at times I felt like my heart was there, and I could share as Mary spoke with the angel. So some at some points during the, her time of prayer, whether it's the half hour or longer now that she's doing, the method seems helpful, and she's imaginatively close to Mary, and she finds this fruitful, but not consistently as she's praying. Yet this time, too, wasn't as before. It felt busy again, like more activity than I want. So this is something that's emerging as Kathy journals about her prayer. The methods that have been so fruitful now, as she said several times, just feel like they're busier than she really wants to be in the prayer. But I keep trying, even though I find myself tired and distracted. My prayer, after being fruitful these past years, is now more dry. So that's what we're really focusing on, is this particular experience of dryness in prayer. Maybe I'm at fault in some way, though. Probably I am, but I don't know how. She isn't. At one point in the prayer, I let the imagining go and just sat with the Lord. That felt better. And there we're beginning to see where the Lord is leading in Kathy's prayer. But I'm not sure that's really prayer. So she's not reflecting on words. She's not actively imagining. She's just sitting there just being with the Lord. And that feels better for her. Somehow her heart is more inclined to that. But it's not the way she's learned to pray and been praying so fruitfully in the recent years, and so she doesn't know if that's even really prayer. I wasn't doing anything, at least I wasn't doing the things Father Bauer taught us and that have worked so well. It's confusing. Okay, that's Kathy's experience. So what do we say about what's happening in Kathy's prayer? What is happening is something beautiful, and if Kathy is finding that these methods of prayer which have been so fruitful now are less so, and feel, as she says, more busy than she wants to be, it's because her prayer is growing. Her prayer is simplifying. In a way, you can think of it, if we want to use an analogy, here is a young man and a young woman who first meet and fall in love, and then they'll marry, and let's say they live 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. When they first meet each other, they can't, there's too much to say, they can never get it all said. 30 years, 40 years later, after a long and rich and fruitful marriage, the words are probably fewer. They might even find themselves sometimes just together in the same room, or maybe sitting on a porch or wherever it is, and the words are fewer, maybe almost no words at all, but something very beautiful is happening between them that doesn't need words anymore as much as it did at one time. It's quieter, it's simpler, it's deeper, it's richer, and there's, a, there's a, a very felt, strong, rich communion between them in this more simplified being together. Something like that happens in prayer, when we're faithful to prayer over the years, because prayer fundamentally, what is prayer? Fundamentally, it's a relationship. It's the human person and the divine person together. That's fundamental. You know, to quote that lovely phrase of St. John Henry Newman, Prayer is heart speaking to heart. And Kathy, as she grows in prayer, just finds herself more and more inclined just to, to be with the Lord, with less mental or imaginative activity. Her question is, is this really prayer? And the answer is resoundingly yes. Let's suppose she speaks with Father Reed, and he will completely set her at ease. When your heart desires simply to be quiet and be with the Lord, 
let your heart have all the time and space that it wants. That's where the Lord is leading you. It's beautiful prayer. It's fruitful prayer. And Kathy knows as she arises from a time of prayer like this, that grace has blessed her, that she feels closer to the Lord, her faith more alive, and she has greater strength to love in the day that lies ahead for her. Now, as the Lord is leading a person toward this more simplified form of prayer, there can be back and forth moments, as we've seen with Kathy's experience. So on a given day, Kathy may find that the imaginative or reflective approach is actually very fruitful. She'll feel drawn to it and know that it's fruitful. Then that's the way she should pray that day. On another day, she may find that that approach is helpful, but at a certain point during the prayer, she feels, as we've seen, the desire just to let that subside and simply be with the Lord. Then she should follow that. When that is real prayer, Kathy or any one of us will experience that quiet being with as something warm, as an experience of communion, as an experience of loving and being loved. If Kathy were to choose to pray that way with goodwill on a certain day, but find that it's rather than that sense of communion and warmth, it just feels sort of distracted, it probably would be time for her to pick up again with the imaginative or the reflective activity. Okay, so the, as, as the Lord is leading us into the simpler prayer, there, there may well be times when both the earlier and the newer way may wisely come into her prayer. But fundamentally, not only is there no problem here, but there's something very beautiful here. As Kathy prays faithfully, she's growing in a beautiful way. And all she needs to know is that what her heart now desires, at least at times and probably more often as time goes on, and that is just quietly to be with the Lord, is real prayer, deep prayer, and very fruitful prayer. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father, there may be some out there who have taken up similar types of practices that have, for many years, brought them at least some consolation in their prayer, or they they felt close in Our Lady's Garden of Prayer, as we call it, the Rosary. And that type of change may begin to occur, and it can be kind of disconcerting. Again, whether it's the rosary or maybe it's a particular type of practices, uh, litanies, liturgy of the hours, whatever that might be, this can be something that occurs and not to be alarmed by it, correct? Yes. Now, those forms of prayer that you mentioned, let's just stop on the rosary for a moment. St. John Paul II just with the wonderful saint that he is, said that the rosary was his favorite prayer. And St. John the Twenty-Third prayed the 15 decades of the rosary every day, and it made him a saint. The rosary has real depths. The most beautiful treatment of the rosary we have is that letter that St. John Paul II gave us on the rosary. When we read that, what we get there is a formation in the rosary that I haven't found equaled anywhere else. St. Paul VI said some beautiful things in his document on Mary, Marialis Cultus, which are lovely things about it as a contemplative prayer, fundamentally centered on Jesus, but through the, the eyes and the heart of Mary. So there is a way, and there are people who pray the rosary and continue to pray it, but the way they pray it will change over time, and it will become simpler and deeper and that communion will be more and more experienced as people pray it. So all of these are are rich ways of praying, but as we pray faithfully over the years, we are likely to experience this sort of simplifying quality that goes on with prayer so that the same things become richer. And what we need to to, to know is that when we let our hearts follow that quieter, simplified way of praying, then we are praying richly, we are following where the Lord is leading. What Kathy needs, and I would say anyone who wonders, you know, what's happening now in my prayer, and how do I understand it, and how do I pray in this different circumstance, would be at least a meeting with someone like a Father Reed. You know, a chance to speak with somebody like that is enormously helpful. Obviously, Kathy, when she does speak with Father Reed about this, is going to find it very comforting and very clarifying. And then she'll know that she has the freedom to let her heart pray this way. Again, when we're making a commitment, say that we've been praying in a group, and I'm giving you a couple different scenarios, but what Kathy is experiencing is her personal prayer. I know for our particular instance, we pray the rosary as a family. I go back to the rosary. We pray the rosary each night. And even as you said, I'm sure for each person in the family, it does change. But we make a commitment to stick with what we're doing, and it it's part of an exercise. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're pulling out or that our times of personal prayer away from that particular group. I mean, we're still the same person, but the experience is a little different than what we may have in our personal encounter with the Lord in our prayer as opposed to maybe praying in the group, or I might expand it and say, even when we go to Mass, you may go to Mass and may not have the same type of feeling, and that's okay. 
it's something that you you can rest with that. Am I correct in that? You know, it's something that St. Teresa of Avila says that in order to have a growing life of prayer, finally only one thing is necessary, and that is perseverance. Just never stop praying. And if we do that with all of our distractions and the spilt milk and everything else that can go with a family rosary or a personal rosary, but we just we're faithful, we just never stop, then yes, it's going to change. My parents, when they got married, just very simply decided that they would say the rosary daily. And they did for the 50-plus years of their marriage. And as the children got old enough, we were all part of that. And as I watched my parents pray that over the years, the rosary was the same, but the way they prayed it changed. There was a depth and a recollection and a, a being somehow at home in it, which you could just see and which you couldn't help but revere you know, as the fruit of many faithful years of praying it. One suggestion that I'd like to make, we pray the rosary because we know it is solidly attested in our Catholic spiritual tradition. We've all heard of the many ways in which it has blessed the church through the centuries and many individual lives. I think what might help us to pray it even more fruitfully would be to take that document of John Paul II, Rosarium Beate Virginis Maria, I think it is, the Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And maybe as an individual reading or a shared reflection in a, in a home or in a convent or in a monastery, I'd just go through that together. I did that in this past year, actually, and uh, just sort of paragraph by paragraph over an extended period of time. And it taught me things about the Rosary that in 43 years of priesthood and preceding years I, I had never known. So that's just a thought. Uh, that document is, I think, the best source for formation in the prayer of the rosary that we have. And maybe that's something to consider. Not to go too far afield for our original focus of the conversation for today, but I also have to give a shout out to the Liturgy of the Hours. That is something that if you can if that's something that you feel drawn to, that, that to enter into that spiritual practice on a regular basis, even just praying morning prayer, that is something that I've found changes a lot. But it's usually because there are things going on inside of me, or maybe there's something going out in the world, or there's who knows, but there is just tremendous graces that really can accompanying you in your spiritual journey to foster growth. And it will help you get through those times of desolation like nothing other. As you pointed out in one of our conversations, because it's, you're also engaging with the prayer of the entire church. The whole church is praying with you when you begin to enter into the liturgy of the hours. Yes, that's what's different about the liturgy of the hours than any other personal practice of prayer we might choose. It's liturgical prayer. It's the public prayer and worship of the universal church. Uh, it leads us right to the center you know, of uh, all prayer. In another setting, we've gone through this in some detail. I'll just remark here that to my, I guess, happy surprise, of all of the books that I've done, after the book, The Discernment of Spirits, it's The Layman's Guide to the Liturgy of the Hours, that seems to be the most read of the books. And I'm really happy to see that, you know, that the sign of increased interest among the laity for the Liturgy of the Hours. 
I mentioned Paul VI's document on Mary, uh, Marialis Cultus. It was in that document, it really caught my attention, 1975, I think that was, 74, 75, that when it came out, I read it, and I was really struck to see the Holy Father say that after the Liturgy of the Hours, the Rosary has primacy of place in the prayer of the family, in the domestic church, as the church calls it. After the Liturgy of the Hours, I had never, ever thought of that. There's a lot of great richness to explore there. Well, any final thoughts on this particular aspect of the struggles in the spiritual life? If any of us is struggling as we try to be faithful to our daily prayer, then we can see what's happening in Kathy as she does. Certainly there are struggles along the way, as is true of any life. So also the life of prayer. We encounter new things. We grow into new spaces. We don't have all the answers. There's more to learn. But let's always follow what Teresa Vavila says, just perseverance, and that'll get you very surely closer and closer to the Lord through prayer. Beautiful. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.